this most destructive of all the qualities that we have, that we fight against, all the negative emotions of, of all of them, Hazal, our sages talk about it, anger being the most destructive. And someone who breaks things in anger is compared to someone who worships idols. So it's very severe, very, very intense. And we know it, and everybody experiences it at some time or another. But as we're going to go through the, the basic outline of the book, these nine steps, we are going to gain tools and awareness of how to manage our emotion, the most destructive of our emotions, but we're also going to see reflected all of the other emotions that are going to come into play because we are all one unit. A human being is, a, is an organism that can function on its own. It's a miracle. You know, we just have brand new grandchildren being born at this, uh, the people at this table, and we're celebrating that life. And the life force is also the birthday. So today, uh, it was a very special day in the, in the Hasidic calendar because it was the birthday of the Baal Shem Tov, Chai Elul. We're going the last few minutes of Chai Elul. And also the birthday of the, of the Alter Rebbe. Which is the... Really? Yeah. Wow. It totally slips. <laughs> well, it's a big... Yeah. It's a, I'm drinking tea, yeah. but, you know, in Hasidic circles, you'd be drinking vodka yeah. and making a fabrengen. A fabrengen means to come together. So I really appreciate everyone taking from their busy schedules to come together tonight to attempt to master this most destructive um, emotion called anger. So, number one, if you look at your chart here, we've got the basic outline of the book. I really like when I give a handout that we actually do every point on it. We don't just like one fragment, and then the rest is kind of like a dangling participle. We're going to make it happen. So, the first thing that we want to do is commit ourselves to doing this mitzvah. It is an actual mitzvah to not be angry to conquer anger and um, it's uh, actually brought down in the Rambam and in, in the Hilchot Deot that it's, it's, uh, it is a, a mitzvah to conquer this to this thing so understanding that, that we have that force of a mitzvah behind us that is going to propel us into understanding where does it come from how does it act in me how do I respond to it and how are we going to manage it so it says like it's an elevated mitzvah that's one of the first things that I learned from Rabbi Pliskin who's, who was a teacher at, at Eshatara in the old city for many many years and a counselor and I just saw him last week I hadn't seen him in a while and I bumped into him on the street just before we lived, left Israel and it was like wow Rabbi Pliskin I'm just going to go teach about your book and he was so so happy he's a real joyous person but okay so as we're approaching this time of year on this Saturday night we're starting to say slichot the 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 whole um, approach to Rosh Hashanah and to beginning the new year is to tie up all the loose ends from the previous year and what we're doing there is we're starting out by saying I'm sorry we're admitting that we've done something wrong and we're asking for forgiveness now in order to do this, we want to emulate God. That's one of the mitzvot that we have in the motivation to commit yourself to conquering anger is that we are all, every human being is created in the image of God. And to be godlike means to be forgiving because the grand finale of the whole slichot process, which for the Sephardim starts on Rosh Chodesh Elul and continues through Yom Kippur, and for the Ashkenazim, it starts this Saturday night. And we start saying the slichot, and the, the formula for the slichot are the 13 mirot of rachamim. They are the qualities of love. 13 in gematria, numerical value, is, equals ahava, equals love. So when we are motivated by love, we are more wanting to respond to that asking of slicha of asking for forgiveness when we love somebody we want to stay in relationship with them and to hold on to the anger is definitely cutting off our relationship with people so to the motivation for conquering anger is to be godlike that we are created in the image of God and so we're going to behave in a godlike manner that we are going to first of all forgive so once we're forgiving whew, that takes all the wind out of the anger sails it's like we can just 
drop that because we're motivated to be godlike, to be like that pintaliyid. The pintaliyid is that that undefinable, light, uh, tiny little drop of oil, that one little little point within us that is the soul, which is part of God above. And we want to activate that all the time. We want to keep that a constant on button. And so we, by doing, by forgiving, we are activating the godly side of ourselves. Okay, so that's committing yourself to anger. Now, nobody's saying it's easy. Especially, like, if the, when we're going to do not, stage two, we're going to understand what type of personality we are. And, but we're going to say that Lefum Tsara Agra, which is a, from Pirkei Avot, the fifth chapter, Ben Haha, it's a funny name. He says Haha. Laughter also reduces some of anger. You know, you can find what's funny about the situation. It also can diffuse a lot of the potential. We're going to hold questions, please, until the end. And then, but please write it down so that you don't forget to ask at the end because we're recording. Okay, so we want to say that. It, when anything is difficult for us, especially if we have the personality type that is quick to anger, oh boy, we get extra super credit, like like incredible coupon clipping credit for being able to overcome something that is difficult for us. So if we're like we have a short fuse and we get angry really quick, we want to try to work on that. That the more difficult it is, the greater the reward. So to, in, in part of our motivation to commit ourselves to conquering anger, we want to see that even if it's difficult, even if it's really troublesome, even if we've had a whole lifetime experience of being angry, we're going to be able to conquer that. Okay, so... Um, all right. Looking at anger awareness. Anger is called the inner teacher. That's the title of this book. Because anger is coming to tell us what is really important to us. Now, social revolution would never have happened if there wasn't some kind of anger in the world. If there was some if there was injustice, but nobody got upset about it. So the dictators of the of this world generation after generation would just keep steamrolling over the common people and no one would ever rise up and no one would ever protest no one would ever object and it would just be horrendous but because we do have this sense of justice so the anger awareness is teaching us when do we when do we know that we got to get up and do something so I just want to do a little experiment now. I just want everybody to like take their right ear and take it over to your right shoulder. What? Take your right ear and move it over to your right shoulder. And then lift your shoulder up and meet the ear. Okay, so you feel how your, your muscles tense over there? Okay, now we're going to release it and we're going to feel the difference. Now, now we're going to do that on the left side. Take your left ear, push it down to your left shoulder, bring the left shoulder up. Feel the tension? You feel it? Everybody got it? And then we're going to let it go. So everybody holds anger in a different way. And we don't even know it. Some people, it's they're clenching their stomachs. Other people, they're grinding their teeth. Other people, their shoulders are, t- are hunched up like this. Part of the developing the ability to conquer anger is to notice when we're angry. Sometimes we go we go through life and we're just it's not appropriate socially to get angry. And so we hold it in all different kinds of ways. This the stomach is clenched, we don't digest our food, our our toes are clenched. We everyone should notice in their body when they're feeling an anger response and be able to notice it and to admit it and to acknowledge it. The first step in conquering anger is to be aware of when we're angry. And so that is uh, like one of, one of the things that we're doing. Then we want to notice our patterns. And anybody who wants to really take this super seriously, take, if you've got a date book, if you've got a chart in your, fo- in your phone, in your smartphone, notice the times of day that you tend to be more angry. Now, I know when I had little kids at home and I had to get them out the door to school, and if they missed the school bus, it was like they were stuck at home all day because I live out in a moshav in a rural settlement in the middle of Israel. 
and if they miss the school bus, they're stuck with me the whole day, and I have to go to work. What? So, okay, so I would get really, really tense in the morning if they weren't getting ready fast enough. And so I started to notice that was my pattern, that mornings when I'm rushed and i got to get the kids out, or sometimes dinner time when I want to get them to sleep because there's some meeting I have to go to on the motion, or whatever, that's when, when I'm rushed or when I'm hungry or when I'm tired. What is your pattern? Notice it. When you've got an anger response, you'll feel it in your body. The first thing is, did my shoulders go up? What? Are, what? Am I going like this? Am I going like this? Okay, notice it. Jot it down if you can. Make a quick note. Note at the time of day. Notice the situation. General, just in very general. Okay, then you'll start to see a pattern evolve. And that gives you a lot of ammunition to work with this thing and to calm it down. You can take, give yourself all kinds of things called controlling reactions. Now, that's number three. We're, after we've got this awareness and we're super uh, aware of when we're getting angry and how we're expressing it and how we're feeling it. And so are we confusing being anxious? No, anxious is a whole different thing. Well, anxious anxious is... off to the bus, you're getting anxious. You may not be getting angry. No, but angry, you, it means that you're lashing out. It's more anxiety is more like reflected okay. anger okay. and worry about the future, concern about the future. But it's more like in the moment, the tension that you're feeling at that moment is is causing you to have the anger response. Part of it is an, a desire to control situations. Like you could say, if your if your anger awareness is when you're losing control of a situation, when your kids aren't listening to you, or when you, some people at work are not are not cooperating the way that they're supposed to as a team, and you losing control of that situation, that also can generate a tremendous response of anger, because you are losing the reins on that galloping wild bronco. Pardon the expression. <laughs> Okay, controlling so the controlling the reactions is the very first step of that is what's called reframing. To reframe a situation means to give it a benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt can do something it can totally flip it for you. Instead of saying, this is so terrible, this is so awful, why is this happening, that I'm insulted, all of these things, that the, the self-talk that we're doing that causes us to be angry, we can totally flip it on its head. We can give the benefit of the doubt. First of all, one of the first steps in controlling this kind of reaction is having this inner humility that anohi afar be'efer. When, when somebody says to themselves, I am nothing but dust and ashes, it's like, so who can insult me? I'm just, I'm already at the lowest point. I'm dust and ashes. And who said this about himself? It was Avraham Avinu. He was the first one who said, when he was approaching God to plead for Sodom. They were the wickedest, the worst, the the most depraved society on the planet at that time. And yet Avram Avinu was pouring out his heart begging for forgiveness for them. And maybe there's ten tzaddikim, maybe there's ten righteous people there. Would, Would you destroy it all for that? But as he's approaching God to ask for this extra special consideration... He says, I don't really have any right to ask for anything. I'm just dust and ashes. So if we put ourselves already into that humility, so then it flips it. And it's actually there. I learned this great, great formula. When somebody insults you and you don't react in a negative way to that, it's wiping your slate completely clean. It's like anything you've ever done before that was a little bit off, a little off color, a little little not directed, a little not holy, wipes it clean. 
especially if you don't react, if you don't react in a harsh way and you accept and you say, okay, I have something to learn from this. And this is all invoked the Baal Shem Tov. It's his birthday to the last few minutes of Chai Elo. The Baal Shem Tov said that whenever we meet somebody who rubs us the wrong way, and I have a lot of guests for Shabbos, I'm not exaggerating, we've had 10,000 people for Shabbos. Now, you're not, that's not just walking over for a meal. That means like sleeping in my house. Though, because we live out in the country. So it's like, uh, we, there's no place to go. You want to join the jackals out in the, the forest? No, I don't think so. So when they come for Shabbos, they're there for the whole thing. 26 hours. And it's wonderful. But there are some times when people walk in my kitchen and they just get me. I don't know what it is about them. But I, once I learned this from the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov says when you see something that really irritates you, it is a mirror. Take a good look because you have some of that in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't notice it. So once I learned that one, it was like, oh, oh, okay, I better pay attention. This this particular behavior, whatever it is that this person is doing at this moment, is real. I do that? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Thank you, Hashem, for bringing me an opportunity to transform myself and not do that when I go to somebody else's house. Oh boy. Okay, so the, what, that's another tool for controlling the reactions. And then we have this beautiful thing that Rabbi Pliskin writes here in the book, and I just want to list them because it's just so beautiful. There are nine Torah reframes. So a reframe is your ability to flip this negativity on its head. Okay, can anybody suggest? I'm going to get a little audience participation here. The nine Torah reframes. That means that, the, that we have sources in the Torah for this way of changing our attitude about something. Positive mental attitude is like a refuah for everything. It's called PMA. When we, they talk about it in the professional literature, anybody with a positive mental attitude can change everything that's going on in their life. They can flip it. So I'll, I'll start you off. I'll give you one. For the good. This is for the good. Kamsu Litofa. There was a guy, and actually I live, the, my nearest neighbors in the geography of where I live in the center of Israel, were called, it's a little village called Gimzu. And it's named after Nahum Ish Gamzu, who's actually buried in Sfat. But he used to say Gamzu Litova about everything. And, and it was like incredible. It was like the worst things were happening objectively. And he would say Gamzu Litova. It's like, God forbid, you know, it shouldn't ever happen again, but people miss an airplane flight, and then, God forbid, the, the plane crashes. To be able at that moment to stop yourself from getting angry at the, at the check-in counter, at the security, the long lines at DIA, and to be able to say at that moment, Gamzu Lutova, that's a real test. Now, we're not saying it's easy. Going back to number one, it's not easy. But we're saying it can be done, and we sh- it should be done. It must be done. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to do this. Okay, this so that's what this is for the best. This is for the gamzulatova. This this is also for the best, right? Also, meaning like it looks objectively horrendous, but it's there's some goodness in there that's hidden that we just don't see it right at the moment. Okay, that was number one of nine Torah free reframes. Somebody throw out another one. What else could it be? I can think of one because, you know, like when somebody cuts you off on the road, somebody does something like that, you reframe it and you imagine, like, oh, that person has someone in the backseat who's dying and they have to rush to the hospital. Right. So creating a story right. around it Good. will Good. Good. Brilliant. That's a great example of a reframe. Okay, more Torah reframes. Okay, here's this one. It's a chance to improve our midot. Midot are this other chart that I handed you. Okay, we talk about the midot, the ten spherot, during um, Spherota Omer. 
We, and it's the one time of the year that everybody accepts that there is such a thing called the Spirit, and it's Kabbalistic, and it's in the Siddur, and after the Marib prayer, after the evening prayer, we count the Omer, the 49 days, 7 times 7, 49, the 7 lower Spirot are marked out on this chart, but they also correspond to our bodies. And you can see the, the, the correspondence here about how the two legs are Netzach and Ho, they are the support for the whole for the whole body. And the Tiferet is the heart, it's the center of the of the body between both above going upward towards the mind and going downward towards the lower, more elemental, um, let's say animalistic tendencies are the, considered the lower sphero. Okay, so by saying it's a chance to improve our midot, it's a, it's, we can ask ourselves, well, how am I doing on chesed? Like maybe if my right arm is always stiff, if I've always got pain in my right shoulder, maybe I need to ask myself, maybe I'm not giving enough? Maybe I'm too tightwad. Maybe I'm not generous enough or I'm not loving enough. Or on the other pole of this same pole, I'm stretching from right hand to left hand here. Maybe I'm not disciplined enough. Maybe that's why my shoulder, my left shoulder hurts. Maybe I need to like um, balance, like when I'm doing my weightlifting, I have to do a little bit less on my left because I'm straining it. I mean, this is giving us wonderful tools when we notice where our body is holding the anchor to ask ourselves, where are we in our midot? So midot are also, in Hebrew, it means to measure. When you measure something, you're measuring, am I doing too much chesed? Am I having too many guests for Shabbos that I'm exhausted and now I resent the next group? Do I need to take a week off? Uh, This is the balancing of the midot that is part of controlling our reactions. Okay, so you can keep these charts and just think about them as you're going through your day. Is there any more charts? Yes, there's spares right There were. Oops. You can have mine. Okay. Here you go. Okay. So, back to the nine Torah reframes. Oh, I love this. No pain, no gain. Now, Sarah does this amazing Jumba. I don't know if you're still doing that, but this workout, wow. You push yourself a little bit harder than you think you can, and you come out with results. So no pain, no gain is one of the reframes. So maybe this hurts a little bit, this thing that's going on in my life, that giving me my anger reaction. But maybe I can grow from this. Maybe I can really grow. Is this an opportunity to grow? Okay. This one I have used over and over and over again. This is what I call the fourth reframe, and it just works for me. That this, this situation that's getting me uptight, is just a test. You heard of the crash test dummies? They were a rock band some time ago, but but it was based on this idea of you take this racing car and you don't want to test it on humans because you don't know how f- humans can go that fast at, on earth level. And you put these dummies in there and they go get all blown up or whatever. But it's a test. It's a test of who. what am I made out of? Am I really a Torah Jew? Or am I just like on the outside? Is it really, have I internalized Torah values of really loving my neighbor? That's Rabbi Fliskin's other most favorite book. Which my maiden name was Wallach. And that I learned in Jerusalem when I met some Wallachs there that it's an acronym for love your neighbor as yourself. And this whole book is all about ways of, 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 of doing that, of living it. So this is just a test. This situation that's getting me uptight is a test of what am I really made out of and where my goals are and what is my guiding principle. Is it really a Torah principle or is it something else that I picked up growing up secular in in America? Okay, it's a test. And part of when I ask myself this question, I say, okay, Asha, what do you want of me right now? This is difficult. This is hurting me. This is hard. What Mida? I'm looking again at my, my Sphero chart. What Mida do you want me to to develop here? Is it Netzach? Do I have to move forward with my right leg and make a stand about this? Or do I have to like go into submission, which is the left leg, and be more like a, the doormat 
and just kind of like let this pass over me what is my goal and so asking myself that question has really really been very helpful in the moment when I'm really ready to boil over <laughs> okay number five are you taking questions at the end please write it down though so I don't want you to forget this is a kapara an atonement whatever the situation is that's causing me this pain that's causing me this anguish this anger maybe anxiety also sahaba it's a kapara it's to pay back for something that I overstepped a boundary that I made a mistake and I need to, I'm going to have to pay for it somewhere down the line but maybe this is a relatively painless way to do it halibai if this is just a kapara okay just let it be a kapara just let it be a payoff an atonement Yom Kippurim Yom Kippur comes from the same root as kapara and in Israeli slang they say kapara alaich like um, the, you know may this be an atonement for you like someone you love somebody and they and, and they want to be, say something nice to you they say kapara <laughs> okay so this is another Torah reframe this is an opportunity to show love for my neighbor by not getting angry at them like some again you know the little day to day things that happen between people it's just so easy to step on somebody else's toes so this is when they do I can let go of it and say this is an opportunity to show my love it's also an opportunity number seven to judge others favorably this is a Torah mitzvah to give them the benefit of the doubt that there's always a hidden story behind it like Cheryl was mentioning about the car you know there's somebody cut you off maybe they really do have an emergency and they have to get there really quick so you give them you you judge them favorably rather than saying oh what a jerk <laughs> which which just makes you feel angry it doesn't help okay um, number eight uh, we mentioned this already it's an opportunity to emulate the almighty that God created a world with free choice that we human beings the crown of creation Rosh Hashanah is celebrating the creation of mankind the seventh day of the process the sixth day of the process was the creation of, of Adam and then the seventh day was Shabbos and so Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of the creation of Adam so it's actually interesting that tonight and uh, the, actually today going out of Chayelu was like one week before the beginning of the creation process which started on the 25th of Elul and culminated on Rosh Hashanah with the creation of man so it's like we're in this this world of Tohu this week before the 25th of Elul is called the world of Tohu the world of chaos and it says in the very first lines of, of Breshit of Sefer Breshit the beginning of the Torah so it talks about that the world was tohu vavohu beruach elokim merachefet apneamayim, and the spirit of God was hovering over this chaos and void that was everything in the world was just a big mishmash. And then the the ray of light comes in to this to this chaos, and there's suddenly we have a world. It's the beginning of a world starts with this light. So by being able to, to be like God and, and to shed a little bit of light in the world, to emulate God, to be God-like, and recreate with light rather than with the dark side is a, a great opportunity. Nine, this too shall pass. And it says that King Solomon was considered the wisest of all human beings. He wore a ring on his finger with this engraving on it. Dam se ya'avor. And this too shall pass means like this moment of anguish and anger is going to pass, but so also will the moments of joy and elation that we feel in life. Our high points, our peak moments, they also will pass. So I live near a very, very busy intersection. Now, when I first moved out there, there was nothing there. There was no road to, from my Moshav to Jerusalem. It was just jackals in the forest and stickers and rocks and weeds. 
If the noisiest neighbors were the Kivrota Maccabee men, they're very quiet at the graves of the Maccabees. They're very quiet neighbors. But now it's like the middle of the country. And it's called Summit Shilat. So Shilat is Rashi Tavot. It's the initials for these words. Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tami. I shall place God before me always. Now that's a simple translation. The more complex translation for what we need for tonight, for managing and controlling this negative emotion called anger, is called shiviti, shivyon. Everything that God produces in his world is equal in my eyes. Kol David Rachmana Tav Avid. Everything that the Holy One, the Compassionate One, God, another name of God is Rachmana. The one, Rachem is compassion. The, everything that the Compassionate One does in His world is equal in my eyes. Shiviti, Shivyon, balanced. The, the center for Shivyon is inside the ears. The Shema, when we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, God is one. That means that whether it looks great to me, like, yes, my daughter is getting married. I am so excited. Or, God forbid, the very first grandchild that was in our family died during the delivery. That was the lowest point in my life. And to kind of somehow force that thing from that fell down to the pits back up to equal with the greatest height that I could imagine is part of the work of a Jew it's Hashem Echad God is one, everything that God does becomes equalized in my eyes, I don't get thrown off balance when God throws me a curveball I catch that thing and I throw it and I run with it because that's my job as a Jew in this world Okay, so those were the nine Torah reframes of a way of reinterpreting our immediate response of anger to any situation, whatever it might be. We all know our reactions. We all know our stresses. But get to know it better, because then you can control it better. (laughs) Okay, number four. Communicating without anger. So I um, always during the, the three weeks between uh, Yudzayim Batamuz and Tishabab, the ninth of Av is the day that the Holy Temple was destroyed in Yerushalayim. Not once, twice. It was also the beginning of the exile from Spain, the exile from England. The World uh, World War One started on on, the, on on Tishabab. The Gulf War started on the tenth of Av. It, it's just over and over again. These days were very difficult, but during the three weeks. The women of Yerushalayim get together like this lovely group here and they work on their midot and they work on their measuring themselves and and how to improve. And the, one of the lecturers that was, spoke then was Re- Rebison Ruhama Shane. She wrote a magnificent book called All for the Boss about her childhood growing up in the house of a very strict tzaddik. It was a very holy, righteous person, very strict. But how, how did she grow through that experience? She writes very personally, very emotionally about her life. So she gives a lecture about Shmirat Talashon. Shmirat Talashon is guarding our tongues. And what that means is we don't speak any kind of evil about anybody else, just to vent. Now, if we have a benefit for it, if we're trying to prevent a business partnership between someone who's been proven to be dishonest, and we have direct information that can prevent some kind of loss, so we are obligated to say those words. But most of the time, we're just venting. We're just knocking somebody off to make ourselves look better or just to put them down just to feel powerful or whatever our, our negative emotion, emotional motivation is here. But my mother, of blessed memory, I just want to invoke her just a little sidetrack for a second off of Rabbits and Shane. I'll come back to her in a second. But my mother, when anybody in the family was saying Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara means evil speech, she would say, uh-uh. No lakshin hara. So lakshin in Yiddish means noodles. So I said, no, no, no bad noodles. No, no, no. Don't hit me with a wet noodle. No, no, no. And everybody would crack up and forget about whatever negative thing they were going to say about some relative in the family. 
But it, that was a way of dispelling some of that tension. But uh, my ma, I loved her. She has blessed memory. And the merit of this learning tonight and all those who need refuah lema, I have a long list of people we're davening for. They should all have refuah lema. And the merit of our learning together as ladies. Yes, we can do this. Okay, so Rebetzin Ruchamashen. What did she say during that time when we were very trying to be very, very careful about not saying evil about anybody else? Because it says that the second temple was destroyed because of sinat chinam, which is translated as uncaused hatred, just for no reason. Oh, look at that person. I don't know why, but ugh, you know, and just whatever that negativity is, it's uncaused. There's no cause. I just never. I don't even know that person's name. I don't. But just. Ugh. That negative stuff. So she says, how do you prevent this kind of evil speech? She said, whenever you have something to say, make it soft and sweet. So if you have to swallow your words, they go down easy. Chaim, mm. take a swallow. I think that's really a wonderful guideline. I used to use that in the classroom. Now, um, I was a classroom teacher for many years in Jerusalem in the very difficult neighborhoods, like families that had been living in the Ma'abarot. They were like the tent camps in the 50s when the Jews were kicked out of Morocco and uh, other places in North Africa. They had no place to go. The, the, the country was so fresh after the the Independence War. They didn't have the, the uh, ability to build housing for people at that time. They didn't have construction workers. didn't have cement. I mean, it just so they threw up these tents very quickly. And a lot of these families, there were a family with 16 children. And they had two brothers. In seventh grade, neither of them could read or do basic math. They were just very challenged. And I, I was teaching art at that time, and I made one-man shows for each of these brothers. One could copy anything photographically. It was amazing talent. The other was so inventive. He created these like Star Wars kind of scenes of imagination. But anyhow, when I wanted to get the attention, I had 40 kids in a classroom and with very few art supplies. And I was supposed to do something with these kids. This is my first year of teaching. I learned how to control the class. A very simple thing. I lowered my voice. And they suddenly... That's fine. They want to hear why she whispering, you know, just like... They tune in. It was like, it's so different when you raise your voice because you're feeling like you're not getting the attention. You just don't get attention anyhow. You just push away. So it says, again, uh, we're going back to the body chart with the spheroid. The right hand draws near, that's the hand of love, and the left hand pushes away. Now, I had to have dis- discipline in that classroom to keep, get anything done at all. So it had to be a real balance between the right, the yamin mikarev is small and this, this uh, give and take that was going on. Okay, so communicating without anger. That's like the very first step of getting over what you want to say. And one of the very first things that you can do to change everything is instead of saying, you, you did this and you did that, I'm going to show you a little chart that I have here. You're going to say, I. In every situation, there are three components. There's the I, right, up here. There's the it, the thing that's bugging me, and there's the you. So when you start off with a you statement, it's a it's blaming. Blaming is, is going to be one of the modes of communication that is least effective when you want to get across the thing that's bugging you. Because the person that's hearing you is feeling attacked, and they are. And I took fencing in college. On guard. It's like, of course they're going to defend. You can't get through to that. They're going to put up a block. But when you say, I, it softens it. It's like it removes it from the attack. And it becomes a statement of, this is what my experience is. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my experience is that when doors slam, I get tense. 
Can, is it possible that the door, the it is the slamming of the door? Okay, that's the thing. I'm not denying the thing. The thing is, is a real thing. But I'm talking about it from an I statement. So when you want to communicate without anger, you want to express your whatever the situation is with starting off with an I statement. That will help immensely. Okay, number five. Focus on solutions. I'm just looking at my time here. Good. Focus on solutions. When you have the attitude of win-win, when everybody stands to gain from this working out of, of the issue, the it, when we all feel like we're participating in it, we have an equal say, when we all stand to gain from this, we have a much better chance of, of changing an, a, an anger-producing situation. Sometimes we have no choice. We are stuck in a situation where we just don't, we can't control it. And that can evoke the anger for sure. So you have options there. One of the things that you could do is leave the room. If you can't control it, if you've tried to reframe it, let's say somebody's cracking their knuckles and it's driving you absolutely crazy, you can reframe it. It sounds like a crackling fire. (laughs) How delightful. There's a possible reframe, right? But if you can't control it, you can't reframe it, it's still bugging you, you can exit. You can leave. And that's one way of evoking it. But then the the best phrase that you can use for this kind of communication of invoking the win-win is let's both. Let's both. Both of us. Let's both of us find a solution here. What do you have to say? I want to listen. Anoki vafa rafer. I am nothing but dust and ashes. I really want to be be humble here, and I want to hear what you have to say. Please let me let me hear what you have to say. And let, then when you've heard it, then you can you have material to work with, and you can invoke the let's both. Okay. Now I want to take you for number six on one of my favorite techniques for both prevention and control of anger. If you'll go with me on a little journey, if you like to, you can close your eyes, but you don't have to. And just imagine that you're sitting in a little rowboat in the middle of a lake. I just came back from a week on Lake Columbine up in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park on the western side next to Grand Lake. And you're just sitting in the rowboat, and there's this mosquito, and it's sitting on your hand, and it's biting you. And wait, okay, now, okay, go, go with me. Go with me inside. We're going into the bloodstream now. Now, the mosquito is going, has, has put its, like, juices into my bloodstream, and it's going in there. And I'm going down, 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 and I'm going down, 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 and I'm getting magnified actually and just seeing in the tiny little corpuscles of my blood and I see the blood flowing all through my whole self and my whole body and there's the blood and I get down past the red corpuscles past the white blood cells and I'm into the plasma and it's just this black with little white dots and now I'm zooming out and there I am, I'm sitting in the, the rowboat, and I'm on my hand, and there's the mosquito. And now I see the whole rowboat, and I'm zooming out again, and I see the whole lake, the whole shape of that beautiful natural lake. And I can see the whole lake there. I can see all of Granby Reservoir and Shadow Mountain Lake and Grand Lake, and I see the Continental Divide, and I can see the the whole the whole planet and I'm zooming out zooming out further further and I can see the whole galaxy I see the Milky Way and I'm far far out into the Milky Way and it's all black with little white dots as above so below that tiniest, tiniest little place that we can go inside of our bloodstream 
and to the vastest heart of the galaxies. It all looks the same when you finally zoom in and zoom out. I don't know how you feel, but when I do that meditation and I see it's really all the same, I feel really calm inside. There's something like protected, like I'm part of a greater a greater experience that this life is just a tiny little window into. So, my mother of blessed memory also used to say, count to ten before you speak. Because what you do is you draw in that breath. The breath... The word for breath in Hebrew is nishima. I just did a first aid course, refresher course, and it's called hanshama. It's like restoring the breath. And so when you breathe in, you're invoking your nishama. Your nishama is that pure part of you, the part of you that wants to be so good and so holy and so refined and so elevated. And the, the, the anger and the, the, the swearing and the, the, the negativity and the tension is just the opposite of that. So by taking that breath and counting to ten, you have a wonderful tool to keep yourself calm and to prevent anger and to control it when it's happening. Okay. Developing the traits that will free you from anger. So one of those traits is that calm confidence. When we know that we're doing the right thing, so it gives us the confidence to do what has to be done in a situation, to bring up the irksome thing that's going on, that the anger-invoking thing, to bring it up with calm confidence is very different than doing it with desperation and within frustration so that at that trait belief that everything is coming from Hashem then being godlike is one of the ways to it to have that calm confidence when you speak that way people listen it's amazing rather than speaking with with uh, tension okay Conditioning your mind is number eight, and that is a matter of, of training, like repeating these, these processes over and over again and giving yourself time to practice and giving yourself also leeway to make mistakes. What we're striving for here is not perfection. There's only one perfect being, and it ain't me, babe. Who is it? That's it. I mean, what? Who am I? Who am I competing with? Forget it. I can strive though for improvement, and I can give myself. I can rank myself. I can say I'm a ten out of ten. I really improved in that particular aspect. I really did much better. I really wanted to swear when I stubbed my toe, but I controlled myself and I said, "No, I'm going to be. I'm, be, I'm going to be more refined than that. I'm going to be elevated. I'm not going to be, take myself down to the lowest woods. I'm going to be more elevated, and I can give myself a ten out of ten. And I can train my mind. I can condition my mind to be to, for all the different things that we're striving for, but especially on this one." And then take mental vacations to release stress. So this nishama nishima, I'd like to teach you. Um, how much time do I have? Four minutes. Perfect. Oh, this is great. I love it when I get through all nine points on my list. <laughs> nine out of nine. <laughs> okay. So this one is called the chedva breathing. Chedva is one of the many words for joy in Hebrew. And we sing it at, at, a, at the wedding ceremony. So chedva is made up of four letters. The chet is numerically eight. The dalit is four. The vav is six. And the he is five. So I'm going to teach you a very beautiful 
way of breathing that can take away so much stress and it's called the Hever breathing so you breathe in at your own pace to the count of eight you hold it for the count of four that's the Dalit you exhale to the count of six and you rest with your lungs empty to the count of five and when you do that it brings joy into your body, into your soul, into your breath. Soul and breath, nishima and neshama are the same root word. So anytime that you're feeling tension, you're feeling stress, you're feeling the, that anger emotion come up, you can do this breathing of joy. Just to be joyful, just to be alive and taking the next breath, it's not to be taken for granted. And you can be so joyful just to be alive. So take a breath. Take a breather. And feel the joy. And uh, that's what the Baal Shem Tov came to. To give the Jewish people joy after the disappointment of the Shabtai Tzvi debacle that happened just, just before the Baal Shem Tov was born. People thought that Mashiach was here, the Shabtai Tzvi was it, and everybody was going to go to Israel, and it would be a wonderful time, and then he converted to Islam. What a disappointment. Devastating. And the Baal Shem Tov was born at that time to bring the, the tshuva process, the Musar process of improving our midot, to do it with joy, enlivens us, and it gives us the, the, the energy that we need to be able to do all of everything that we do in our life with joy. May we merit to have a joyful new year. And anyone who is interested in purchasing our books, this is the coloring book that I did on uh, based on Rabbi Nachman's interpretations of the first 15 Torahs of Baba Batra in uh, the Gemara he talks about these phantasmagorical tales and I created these uh, these illustrations for um, in an explanation of the story translation into English from the Aramaic and so it's in poetry it's a family project the parents read the stories and then the children and parents can color it in together so that's my coloring book and the rest my husband's working on more books but these are the, the the books are available here's change if you'd like to make it everyone is invited to sign up uh, I have a sign up sheet here pardon me uh, if you'd like to receive our weekly Torah digests, um, the Orchadash website is um, free. There are many tools that you can use. There, um, we've had a million hits already on the, uh, the Olive Bed series that explain the Hebrew letters as the building blocks of creation. And you're welcome to go and visit our website. I, hopefully this class will be on the website also very soon. And so I'm going to close it now so we can open for questions. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So when you say when you say that